Hi everyone, I'm Vanna Stratum from Gnosko Ministries. Thank you for inviting us into your home and into your life. And we really pray that our regular visits will fill your spirit with revelation knowledge of Jesus Christ. The word must be fully understood and opened through the Holy Spirit when we read it. And we must know that Christ is the answer to all our needs and all our problems. May this teaching help you to fall in love with our Lord Jesus Christ. Also, if I can ask if you can hit the subscribe button, the like button, and also the bell icon to be notified every time we upload a video. By simply doing this, you're not just helping us sharing this message, but you're actively helping us by your interaction to share this message to so many people as it become more visible because of what you've done. So thank you for helping us also with that. So now join me as we go deeper into the Word of God. Thank you. Okay, so tonight we're going to continue in the tabernacle. Uh, this is part 14 that we're going to talk about tonight. And we're going to the, to the table with the shoe bread. Right, so we're going to have a little discussion on that tonight. Just to see where we are. Just a quick recap. So we've discussed the things regarding the tabernacle in detail about the poles, the pegs, the roofing, the covering and everything. Um, we've discussed the major furniture pieces up to now that we, that we walked through. Uh, here in this image is the crucifixion as is depicted according to the furniture in the tabernacle. Look at that, you must know this in your, in your walk. Jesus' feet is here. And you must know why is His feet here. Alright? Remember, this is the entrance into the tabernacle, the door, the way. To, this is the first piece of furniture that you see when you enter the, the brazen altar. And it speaks about your walk. How you walk, you have to walk to enter into this, and you have to walk all the way through to here. There's a walk that you have to go through, from furniture piece to furniture piece. So, just remember that, um, it shows your journey, how you choose to walk it. You can choose to be baptized here, or you, you don't choose to be baptized. You can be choose to work with the, with the Holy Spirit, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit here, or you can choose not to do it. It's your choice how you want to walk this out. But at the end of the day, you walk this to get here. Alright? This is where you want to end up. But you cannot skip. If you choose to skip stuff, you will not be able to go to the fullness here. Because they all play a role there on your journey to the holy place. Um, that's why I don't worry what's going to happen on the day of the Lord, the details. But I want to know what's going to happen in the sense of for what you position yourself. Because if you don't have direction, you don't have purpose. Then you're just floating and you don't know much what's going on around you. You're just loving Jesus. Which is not wrong, but you're missing so much out. Alright, that's why if you know what's going to happen on the day of the Lord, not the finicky details, the basic big picture, that gives you purpose, that will make you choose how do you want to walk this out because you don't want to miss this stuff. Alright? I hear a lot of people that don't worry about stuff, but that's why they don't walk in stuff. Because your destination, 
where you are going determines your journey. You don't go to Cape Town via Joburg. That's stupidity. It's going to cost you a lot of petrol, even though it's going down at the moment, I hear. That's why when you know where you're going, you can plan and know what you need to do to get there. Now, if you, if you decide you're going to go to Cape Town, you know, listen, I'm going to drive you and I'm going to properly refuel in Riversdal. The only reason why I'm going to refuel in Riversdal because I want to go to, what's the place called? Bali. Because my wife doesn't want to skip that shop. All right? And then you keep going and you will probably refuse on the end if you go that route. Well, refuel there because you want to eat something there. You're planning your journey more or less. You want to have some of those awesome pies to sell at refuse on the end. What is it called? Those pie places. If you haven't tried their pies, it's the best mm -hmm. in the world. It's, it's pricey, but man, it's good. But you plan your journey because you're going to Cape Town. You know you're going to go for either... The, what's it, the N2 or the N1, which way do you want to enter because where you want to go. That's how your, your, your walk must be. Jesus had, a, had a, a goal. He didn't come to the earth and said, I'm just going to love everybody. I'm going to get 12 guys and I'm going to teach them and we're just going to go and see wherever we go. We don't care about what's going on. He didn't do that. He had a purpose, the cross. And he did deliberate stuff to walk to that cross. He chose confrontations with people to get him to the cross. I mean, he would stand in front of people and say, I am. Just to get them to get upset and want to throw him off the cliff because they need to get angry with him so that they can take him to the cross because he needs to go to the cross. He's doing stuff deliberately in his walk to go to the cross because if he never did any of that, they would never have gotten upset with him. He deliberately said that stuff to get them angry so that he can go to the cross because that's where he had to go. So he had to do certain things to go there because he knew exactly in what to walk. And we must do the same. But most believers just float. You know, if Jesus comes, he's good. If he doesn't come out, we'll all survive. That's, that's not true godly character, actually. You've got to know where you're going and why. So in this furniture piece, it shows you the journey that you walk. It shows you what you can miss. Um, that's why each thing is so beautifully placed, so prophetically placed for us to, to get an idea of what's going on. We're not actually left in total darkness of what's going on. We've got an idea. The Bible's full of things hidden for us to see um, in what we walk. So in this thing, we see where these furniture are. Look at where the labor is. Here. The labor. We spoke about the labor. It's to do with baptism, to do with washing of the word daily. When you read the Bible, it washes you. It's to do with that. But look where is it? At, in the body. It's in the stomach. Look what the Bible says about that. John 7, 38. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from you, within you, flowing from your innermost being, just like the scripture says. It's talking about that. In your inner being here. Those of you that have had the opportunity to cast out a demon out of somebody, where do the demons stay? Right there. They stay right there. You can sometimes feel them in a person as they're jumping around and fighting inside. That's where the Holy Spirit stays. That's His place, actually, not the demon's place. And that's where the rivers, rivers of living water is going to flow from out of you. It's talking about that. It's actually talking about how this whole thing is set up. It's actually awesome to see how scripture is always pointing to something that is still correct. 
Nothing is out of place that it doesn't make sense in the scripture. The last time we spoke about the menorah, look at where the menorah is. At what hand is the menorah? At the right hand. What is the right hand? Where does Jesus sit? On the right hand of the Father. This is a picture of the Holy Spirit. So if this is a picture of the Spirit, and the hand is to do with works. Your right hand is your strong hand. That's why Jesus didn't sit on the left hand of the Father because he's speaking about the, his power that he's walking and that he received on the cross. He's sitting at the right hand because it speaks of authority and power. Here, Jesus works with power out of the Holy Spirit, which is in his right hand. It's not in his left hand for a reason. It's in his right hand. The works he does is to do the Holy Spirit. Everything he did. Alright, that's why it's in his right hand. Your work and my work must be what? Done out of the Holy Spirit. The right hand. He's the one that, when we do something through which we do it. <coughs> the same way how Jesus did it, alright? This is a picture of you also, that you have to walk in, remember? So when you do works for Jesus, and, and I'm not talking about works, righteousness, I'm talking about works out of relationship. It's done out of love, out of the power of the Holy Spirit, which is love. He is love, the power. Remember, Holy Spirit, dove, all that stuff we spoke about earlier in the last year or somewhere. So, now we're going to look at the table of shoebread. And this is on his left hand. Here. It's on his left hand. Think about it. Why left? And there can be a lot of things. I just said here, you eat with your left hand. In many cultures, the left hand is the hand that you eat with, not the right hand. The left hand is your hand that you eat with. Alright? In a lot of cultures, you, you see that what is on that table that must be eaten? The bread. Alright? Which is, we will talk about that, the word and a lot of other things that it means. But you eat with your left hand. Another beautiful thing to notice, um, the bride always stands on the left hand of the bridegroom. And it's something beautiful to remember. We still do that today. So let's read here. Alright, so we know we are here now. We are going to talk about this here now. And then the next one is here. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. Because look at where that is. Alright. So we're here now. We've done the works of the Holy Spirit out of the right hand. Now we're the left hand, the one that's going to eat and feed you. It's going to feed you this hand. So Because if this hand feeds you, then you can do the works that comes out of that. Because you're going to get what you need out of that. Alright, so here's the image. You've got it in your booklets. You should have it. The table of shoe bread. That's how it looked like. It took me many years before I realized there were two stacks of bread. I always just thought there was a loaf of bread lying there or something. Um, but no, it's two stacks of bread that was in. So we're going to look at this table and the setup and what is on there and why it's on there. Exodus 25 verse 23 to 30. Thou shalt also make a table of shittim wood. Two cubits shall be the length thereof. And a cubit the breadth thereof, and the cubit and a half the height thereof, 
And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. Remember, everything is now gold. It's not braids anymore. And make thereof a crown of gold round about. You saw in the picture the crown of gold, eh? And thou shalt make unto it a border of the handbreadth round about, and thou shalt make a golden crown to the border thereof round about. And thou shalt make for it four rings of gold, and put the rings in the four corners that are on the four feet thereof. Mm. See there, the feet. Over against the border shall the rings be uh, for places of the staves to bear the table. It's to carry it, in other words. And thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with gold, that the table may be uh, borne with them. And thou shalt make the dishes thereof, and spoons thereof, and cover thereof, and bowls thereof, to cover with all a pure gold shalt thou make them. And thou shalt set up the table of shewbread before me always. Alright. Exodus 37. And he made the table of shittim wood, two cubits was the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit and half the height thereof. And he overlaid it with pure gold, and made there unto a crown of gold round about. Also he made thereto a border of the headbreadth round about, and made a crown of gold for the border thereof round about. And he cast for it four rings and gold, and put the rings upon the four corners, and they were on the feet thereof, over against the border where the rings, the places for the staves to bear the table. And he made the staves of shittim wood, and overlaid them with gold to bear the table. And he made the vessels which were upon the table, his dishes and his spoons and his bowls and his covers to cover with all of pure gold. Alright, so I just put that in there. You can see where in the scripture it gives you the details of how this was done. Leviticus 24. This is the stuff I know. This stuff is the stuff when you go to your Bible and you get there and you skip it. Because you don't want to read how every little thing is on there because it's got no value for you. But now you see it's actually got lots of value why it's like that. Well, normally, back in the day, you would skip these type of things because it's, why do you want to know if there's knives and forks and bowls in the, in the thing? Uh, verse 5. And thou shalt take fine flour and bake twelve cakes thereof. Two tenth deals shall be in one cake. And thou shalt set them in two rows, six on a row, upon the pure table before the Lord. See, I always skip this, I never read this, that's why I thought there was only one loaf of bread on there. But it actually says there, it was six. And thou shalt put pure frankincense upon each row, that it may be on the bread for a memorial, even an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Uh, every Sabbath he shall set it on order before the Lord, continuously being taken from the children of Israel by the everlasting covenant. And it shall be Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in the holy place, for it is most holy unto him of the offerings of the Lord, made by fire by a perpetual state. Okay, so we read this table is made of wood, and it's overlaid with gold. This speaks of humanity and the deity of Christ. Humanity, wood, gold, the deity of Christ. Eh? His, his holiness, his pureness. So, it is actually speaking about Jesus being man and divine. Wood and gold. That's what it's talking about there. The tables that we read there is two, two cubits in length. Two speaks of union, witnessing. This table was placed where the believers, uh, if you look at it spiritually, this table that's placed with, with, with the two that it speaks about here, um, 
It's to bring union with, with Jesus, um, the setup that it's got there. All right, because there's six bread, loaves, six or cakes, they call it. The two sets, then it's the, the, the measurement of the table. And everything speaks about unity towards Jesus with us and Him with us and us with Him. Um, the table stood in the north part of the tabernacle and faced the golden candlestick on the south. Remember the image? The table stood in line with the candlestick and the altar of incense to form the bar of the cross. It's the towards bar eh, of the cross. Um, so now we stand in the holy place at the table and it, it's at the left hand because of the, the, the picture, the image of it uses, being used to eat, to take bread with. Um, like I said with the bridegroom, we have to have that nourishment from him, that's the bread. It was always custom, I said to you, that the bridegroom presents gifts to the bride. It was also a custom that they had. And here, Jesus has given us the greatest gift of all, himself. That we may nourish and feed him, who is the table of bread. Alright? It's spiritual speaking stuff here now. You heard it had staves and rings. It had two staves, poles. Other words, it went through to carry the rings. They also were made of wood and overlaid with gold. They were used to carry the table whenever they packed up the camp and had to move. Um, the staves rested in four rings of gold and the rings were placed at the feet of the table. Remember, we read that now. That means what? It means that this table, when it was carried, it was higher than anything else. Because if you put the rings on the bottom of the feet and you put the poles through it and you have to pick it up on the shoulders, do you see how high they carried that table? Do you see the importance they saw in that table to carry it like that? But there's more to it than that. Just um, I said, yeah, the more we lift Jesus higher, the more you have to bend lower when you carry that table, when you carry Jesus. Did you get that? The more you uplift Jesus, the more you have to bend down, be lower than Him in order to do that. Uh, we lift the bread up high, like they did, lifted the bread up high, we lift Jesus up high. Uh, I said that we need to be as a priest and humble ourselves and carry the precious bread of life to those who are hungry. That's what you do daily when you walk in those things, alright? Uh, it's also a form of you submitting to Christ, you, you, everything to do with that, under, submitting, humble, you less, Him more, you uplift Him, you don't uplift yourself, alright? Uh, the table was called a pure table on which the bread was to be served, the bread was called, I think I've got it here, presence bread, bread of faces, bread of ordering, and the continual bread. Those are all the names that you will find of the bread. The bread was a symbol of Christ's body in communion. When you have communion, you break bread. All right? So it's a, it's a picture and a type of, of Jesus' body, Christ's body. 
The Bible can also be seen as food, as bread. Why? Because we eat when we, we read. You eat, you take in the word when you eat. Alright, sometimes you eat and you choke a bit on stuff that we read there because we don't understand it. Sometimes it tastes nice because we understand what we're reading. So, but we take it in, alright. I said this before, the golden candlestick's purpose in the tabernacle was to shine light on the shoebread table. So the Holy Spirit shines on the Word so that you can read it through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. Because what did I say? The Bible is written only in one language and that is Spirit. Not English, not Afrikaans, not Hebrew, not Greek. It's a spiritual book written in languages. But you must can only understand it fully if you read it through spirit. Not in Afrikaans, not in English, not in Hebrew, Greek. They all help you to get the understanding, but that's not what you look for. That's not going to bring you the full truth to come out of the life to come out of the Bible. The bread was to be made out of flour. It speaks to us um, of the corn and the wheat that we must, um, that the corn and the wheat that must fall on the soil in order to bring forth wheat. Alright, there's a process that goes through. John 12, 24, very, very, I say to you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. Alright, it's, it's talking about that when it, the wheat that's on the table that the bread are made out of. Mm, I said, yeah, the more we sift flour, the smoother it becomes. Right, the sifting process of flour. Have you seen if you bake, the more you sift it, the, the, the smoother it becomes. And I said that Jesus went through the process of making bread for us. Think of what I'm saying, because he's the bread and he is making bread for us. The bread was not only grounded and sifted, it was molded into cakes by hand. All right. And how you make a piece of bread is more, actually, if you look at it spiritually, is what Jesus went through. From the beginning where the seed was sown, it had to die. And when it came out of it, brought life. There was more. Alright, it's a whole story just in the making of the bread. That is so beautiful. I don't know who's going to do this was, but yeah, in Ezekiel 4 verse 9, it says, Take thou also unto thee wheat, and barley, and beans, and lentils, and millet, and fitches, and put them in one vessel, and make thee bread thereof. I put that in there because I found this. It's a bread recipe that they use. It's in the Bible. I went and searched every one of these things, um, because I don't know the naming of it, but it's just normal, you know, those little seeds of stuff that you buy. Uh, I didn't know all the names there, but I went and googled it and to see how they looked, and, but it's all for bread. According to the number of the days that thou shalt upon the side, 390 days shalt thou eat thereof. Alright, so there's a nice, healthy bread recipe for you to go and make. Because bread was very healthy at those days. That was actually one of the main, main food they ate, was bread. Today, bread is one of the most uh, unhealthiest things to eat, the way we make bread today. But you can still make healthy bread. Alright. The bread was placed on the fire to be baked. Uh, what they added to the bread when they baked it was oil. They just rubbed it with oil, a little bit of oil, when they baked it. Also speaking about the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit in this bread. Uh, because without the Holy Spirit, the bread was tasteless. They needed that oil. Alright? I mean, 
some of us seen if even if you have braai and you have steak if you oil it it's actually nicer than you, if you don't oil it sometimes some steaks and you oil the steak but it must be very hot it makes a huge difference in the taste of steak it was also uh, offered with salt. They've had some salt on it. I've baked some of the Jewish stuff and they then yeah, they always use a bit of rough salt on top of it. And it gives it a nice taste. Salt speaks of durability, purity, fidelity, loyalty, all that stuff. Alright. The number of loaves. There were two rows of bread on the table with six cakes on each side. Twelve, in other words, in total, twelve speak of government. Huh? It's to do with government. Uh, if you look in your Bible, the New Jerusalem, which is a picture of the bride of Christ, was made up of twelve uh, pillars, gates, and it speaks of government. It doesn't speak of a literal building that's going to look like that, that like we sometimes were told. It's spiritual language uh, that we we read there. Alright, so you must see that through the Spirit, what it's saying there. Revelations 21, verse 9. Then one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls, full of the seven final plagues, came and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. So he took me away in the Spirit to a huge majestic mountain, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Again, this is spiritually stuff. This is not a physical thing coming down. Um, the city possesses the glory of God. Its brilliance is like a precious jewel, like a stone of crystal clear jasper. It has a massive high wall with 12 gates. See, there's a 12. 12 gates with 12 angels at the gates. And the names of the 12 tribes of the nations of Israel are written on all the gates. You see the 12. Now the 12 is significant. There are three gates on the east side, three gates on the north side, and three gates on the south side, and three gates on the west side. The wall of the city was twelve foundations, and on them are the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. See how it goes on with all these twelves. The angel who spoke to me had a golden measuring rod with which to measure the city and its foundation stones and wall. That's a teaching on its own, this... Um, this measuring rod is gold because in the Bible there's other measuring rods that's not of gold but anyway there's a lot that you can say there verse 16 now the city is laid out as a square its length and width the same he measures the city with a measuring rod at 1400 miles its length and width and height are equal he also measures the wall 144 cubits according to the human measurement which is also uh, which is also the angels. The city wall is made of jasper and the city is pure gold like the transparent glass. The foundation of the city wall are decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation is jasper, the second is sapphire, the third is agate, and the fourth is emerald. The fifth, what is it, unix, what is it called? Onyx, onyx. The sixth, uh, cornelian? The seventh crystallite and the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz and the tenth crystal. What's it? Christoph how do you pronounce that? Christophus. Christophus. I don't know. Christophus. The eleventh jacket and the twelfth. What do you that is? Amethyst. 
amethyst. And the 12 gates are 12 pearls. Each one of the gates is made from just one pearl. The main street of the city is pure gold like transparent glass. Like this. Pure gold like transparent glass. Um, it's just got nothing to do with you going to walk on pure gold streets. It's to do with your walk. should be like that. His walk is like that. Pure gold. All right. Um, so I just put that in there that you see everything to do with the, the prophetic in the book of Revelations, everything to do with talks about this 12. That's why there were specific 12 loaves of bread on there because it speaks about governance and, and, and everything to do with that. Like we read there, <coughs> obviously I'm not going to go open up all these things because this is, there's so much stuff in that measurements and, and the, all the 12s that's hidden there. But I want you to see how important 12 is and the role that it plays there. I mean, if you read your Bible, other stories that got to do with 12, um, the two fishes and the five loaves of bread, they, at the end of how many bread was left? 12 baskets. All right? Saying the same thing everywhere you go. Um, this bread, it said, we read that, it gets renewed on the Sabbath. They put in a new loaf, so those loaves that uh, could last a while. Because every Sabbath they, they replaced the, and renewed the bread. Uh, I said the table speaks of fellowship and communion. The, the bread was served with salt. Salt makes, uh, makes us thirsty. The bread will make us thirsty for more of Him. Alright? It's a type of it. Um, um, so, let's bring everything together. This table had 12 pieces of bread which is showing Jesus' governance. It speaks about Jesus who is the bread of life, where we have to eat from. That must feed us. Remember at the beginning, we need to eat here so that we can do all that needs to be done everywhere. Without the food, you cannot walk correctly. Without Jesus, without the Word, you cannot walk correctly. You need to eat. Without eating, you will not know how to use the Holy Spirit. Now you're going to say, yeah, but the Holy Spirit will not let you do something wrong. No, you will do things wrong with the help of the Holy Spirit. You can use His power for whatever you want to. Um, he's given you full authority of His power. It's just, you choose what you want to do with it. But if you eat, you will do stuff the way He wants to do. You will listen to the Holy Spirit. Alright, so Jesus shows this as a perfection. He's given this as a model for us to walk in also. To eat from this table with these 12 loaves where Jesus is. So that we can walk in His governance and His leadership. Because if we eat there, then we will end up here in the third room. The day of the Lord. The love room. Alright? Because the more you eat, the more you will fall in love. Because you will, the more you eat, the more you will listen to the Holy Spirit. The more you will be washed by the labor. Alright, I'm not going to talk about the one in the middle now. That will get, the more your walk will show Jesus in your walk and what you do and how you do stuff. So, this table is a beautiful picture of how Jesus feeds us, guides us, how He must 
be the one that we look up to when we carry him daily because daily when you walk you carry him uh, wherever we go we carry him around uh, and he must be visible he must be high uh, when when we when we do that um, for me if i look at the body of christ and i talk to people it's 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 so obvious sometimes that i can see that they struggle um, to lift him up high and, and doing and i'm not talking about works i'm talking about lifestyle um, that people struggle to to be able to talk about jesus if you ask people can you talk about jesus in your friends or work colleagues when you chat you know normal chat can you talk about it if somebody brings up something about jesus can you talk to them about it are you able to talk about it? And a lot of people cannot. And that should be your, your foundation. Because how, how do you make disciples if you cannot engage with somebody just to talk about the one you love? Then there's a problem in your relationship if you cannot talk about the person you love. I'm not talking about knowing scriptures and stuff. It's just chatting about it. But most people cannot do that. They're not used to talk about anything spiritual between people. For us, it's been walking this for a long time. I mean, we always say you cannot talk about anything else, actually. It's difficult to talk about anything else than Jesus when you're in a conversation. But most people, when you talk to them, it's difficult for them to talk about Jesus. They can talk about everything else. And there's nothing wrong with talking about worldly stuff, you know, if you're, if you're into sports or whatever. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But can you have the same passion that you have for sport for Jesus, that you feel inside for for? If you get all worked up for, for your rugby team or your football team or whatever you support, your cricket team, can you get worked up and talk about Jesus, your team, and your fellow brothers and sisters in a conversation? Most people cannot do that. How do you then make disciples? Because, I mean, somebody will come to you because they want to eat from you. Remember, you're a tree. that have fruit on it. The function of fruit on the tree is not for the tree to eat it. It's for people to come and eat at your tree. You give them nice shade. They feel safe from the sun that's burning them. They come and sit under you and they eat of your fruit, which is Jesus. But if they come and sit there, what are you going to talk with them? I mean, in the old days, a tree was a place where people would go and sit to, if they had a long journey to, to hide from the, the scorching sun. It's a safe place, a place where they can sit and chat and be comfortable. You are that tree spiritually. Can people come and sit and you can talk to them about the one that's giving this beautiful fruit through you that they enjoy? Can they eat from the fruit? Can you tell them about it? Who's this person that's giving this beautiful fruit that you're having? Because it's not your fruit, it's his fruit that you're having because you're connected to him. Without the connection, there will be no fruit. You guys understand what I'm saying? We we must be able to, to, to talk about this, this person that we say we love or the person that we say we follow because think about it, most believers say we follow Jesus and you ask him who's Jesus and then they can't say anything but now they follow him how do you follow somebody that you don't know anything about if you can't have a conversation about somebody that you have if you drive a nice car and I ask you what engine have your car got uh, uh, what system have your car got inside uh, you know all the what what's what is it's got a computer system on it it's got a got 
GPS, anything, what is it, got cameras, and then you will be able to tell me, yes, my car's got this and that, and I installed this and I installed that. But if I ask you, who's Jesus has been following, and most believers can't answer, they've got no clue, they can just say, no, he died on the cross for my sin. And I'm not talking to you guys now, I'm talking about people that's listening, or people that you may know. Take them into a group and see if they can talk about Jesus, they cannot. They cannot have a conversation, they cannot share bread with, with their fellow believers, break bread with them. Because remember the high priest and then went to sit at that table, there was a cup with wine in there. They had like communion at that table with their bread, Aaron and his sons. They went and sat there, they ate of the, the lamb also there. They got some of the meat, the lamb meat. I mean, Aaron had a good, a good job there. He always got lamb meat. I mean, that, that's the best you can get. They sat at that table to eat, to commune to, and, and chat, and, but they knew what it was about. We today, can we go and sit at the table of the Lord and share Jesus with the people, break bread with them? We struggle to do that. But we should all be at that place where it's more difficult to talk about worldly stuff than Jesus. That's why it's so important to choose your friends, to choose the people that you share your life with. It's the people that you can break bread with and are they going to enjoy your bread or are they going to spit it out? Yes, you will have worldly people in your midst. That's nothing wrong with that. We need them there too because we need to get them saved. We need to work with them and trust Jesus to get them saved. But we need to hand out bread. We need to be in that place. Uh, and we don't have to worry, the bread will not be finished. New bread's coming again. Uh, every week there's new bread. And you can just share on this bread. They can drink of the wine and the cup that was there. And you carry Jesus around every day. He showed us how he did that in the Gospels when he walked in that. Alright, so go meet Jesus at the table. Go sit at the table and dine with him. Let, him. let he share the bread with you so that you can share that bread with others. But most people don't sit at the table, they don't eat from his bread, so they don't have anything to, to hand out. Think of it practically. You guys that have got staff that works with, got staff under you. Um, how do you make your staff happy? When you engage with them, when you talk to them as a normal human being, not as a, a subject that's working for you, you get way more out of them by loving on them. But that means you've got to get to know them, you've got to be there for them. And we as believers, so much more, but we struggle with that. We struggle with it. If I have to go, I can guarantee, if I have to go to 10 people, normal, just normal Christians, believers, and it's not a negative thing I'm saying, it's just to show there needs to be correction in those areas in our lives. If I have to go to 10 people and ask them to talk about Jesus with me for two minutes, just two minutes share Jesus' life with me, how much he means for you, what he's done, and what you... How many people will be able to talk to me for two minutes about Jesus? But they can talk two hours about the car. I can keep you busy for four hours about technology. But can you, is there a balance in your life? Can you talk? My wife knows I will keep you busy with Jesus for 10 hours. This is not a problem. But can you 
get to that place. If you're not there, that shows you must grow and, 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 and meet him at the table so that you can love him more, grow with him more. But the table is part of the journey that feeds us. Why must we eat? Why must we work through the Holy Spirit? Why must we walk? Because he's the head. And if he's the head, what must happen with you? Your mind must be replaced with the mind of Christ. That's what the renewal of the mind is. Your mind, not renewal, oh, I must stop doing this, I must stop doing that. That's not renewal of the mind. There's a place for that. You know when you have to stop doing something that's wrong, do it then. But that's not renewal of the mind. Renewal of the mind is your mind must be replaced with the mind of Christ. When you eat, you will share like he shares. You will do the works that he's done. Alright, that's, that's at the end of the day what it's about. So, the shoe bread has got a beautiful picture on the left of how he did things and how we can walk in the same pattern that he's walked in. Everything Jesus did is in patterns. If you can get that in your Bible, if you read something in your Bible, you must go seek the pattern of that thing you read. And your Bible explodes all of a sudden. If you read, they said this in the New Testament. Go and look who said they. They will be somewhere in the Old Testament. And then you will see why are they saying what they're saying here. Because what does it mean here? And then it will open up the whole story. Because the whole Bible is linked like this. Nothing is out of place. But we don't know how to find the links in the Bible. If you find the links, the word opens up and the Spirit can speak to you. We're not tweezer picking one verse here and then we read that and that's all it is. You've got to start to learn to see how from Genesis the pattern will be throughout the whole Bible. And still today you will see things happening in those patterns. Because remember what I said, all the patterns will end when... Christ is manifested. Then the patterns will stop. From the patterns that started in Genesis. But we don't know there's patterns in the Bible. But it's, there's so many patterns in the Bible. Um, come Sunday, then you will hear I'm going to talk about one pattern in the Bible on Sunday. Um, it's going to be a bit deeper for the people in the church, but I keep on getting this thing that I have to speak about this on Sunday, and it's a bit deeper. But it's to do with the 42nd generation. Alright, so I'm going to talk about that on Sunday. But it's to show you how these things are hidden in the Bible. Why are you the 42nd generation? What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? And it's again, not inevitable. Because people think when you say something negative about wrong, you're pointing fingers. No, it's to point out things we have to change to get to where we need to go. Remember the journey. Alright, you don't want to go through Joburg to get a captain. You make that mistake only once in your life, and then you realize that's not the way to go. Next time, go straight. Alright, so, because we are getting in the tabernacle to the juicy bits, uh, the beautiful bits, uh, here where Jesus' chest is, his heart is, and him being the head, the, in the holies of holies, which, which is what everything's about. But like I said the previous Sunday, it starts here with your walk. How do you walk? Huh? We spoke about do you go to do you do, do gym exercise in your legs? 
because huh? it shows your walk. Don't be too busy here and your walk is not correct. Everything is going to be in balance. If you can speak four hours about your car, you can speak four hours about Jesus. Balance. Right? You don't have just to speak about Jesus, then there's something wrong with you. You are a normal human being, you enjoy life. God gave us life to enjoy. He gave us cars to enjoy that. I'm using that as an example. What else can I use? What do you ladies like? Cars. <laughs> <laughs> He's given us stuff to enjoy. We're not to, not to sit just and... Uh, back those days they spoke about how good the horses and the camels were. And, uh, they had their things. And they had big tournaments that they went to to go look at sports. Um, so th we're not religious. We're humans, but we, we have a balance in everything, all right. Thanks for watching. Please subscribe to our channel and make sure to click the bell notification button to get any notifications when we upload a new video. Stay blessed.